What category of equipment would you vote off the island? Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode number 88 of No Pets Given. I'm Miranda, and I've got Harry, Tony, and Adam with us today. Adam stepping in because Chris is caddying for some guy on the <laughs> Corn Ferry Tour. That's what he told us. I wish I had a name, but he said the guy I'm caddying for tees off at this time. So, Adam, welcome. Let's go, the guy. <laughs> I'll be that guy today, whoever that guy is. You're the guy. I bet he's just playing golf, and he says he's caddying, but he's just playing golf. That'd be awesome. That would be a great one. I feel like there's a paper trail, though. <laughs> we'll find out. Okay, let's jump into it today. Tony, you sent an embargo across my desk this week that made me do a double take. A tailor-made mini driver, to which I was previously unaware such a thing existed. So can you give us the lowdown on the specifics of this mini driver? It's one of two, right? It's a small driver. <laughs> it's a baby driver. Uh, no, so yeah, it's uh it's kind of an I, I suppose you could say interesting category if only because among the, the top brands, TaylorMade is really the only one that plays in that space. You could say they are the absolute undisputed dominant force in the mini driver category. What a mini driver effectively is, is the name tells you most of what you need to know. It's it's kind of like a driver, only smaller. This one's a little bit bigger than 300 cc's. So typical driver these days, 460 cc's. So, you know, significantly smaller, shorter shaft. And the idea is, in theory, more control or workability off the tee while retaining some of that ability to hit off the fairway. And again... TaylorMade's really the only one that that's doing it. They, you know, started this several years ago with the SLDR Mini, followed it up with the Arrow Burner Mini, which was not good, and Callaway released a Mini at that time as well, the Big Bertha 1.5 Mini, and then nobody did anything for a number of years. Callaway uh, TaylorMade came back two years ago with the um, Jesus, what was it? I can't remember what it was called. That's kind of a the lasting impression it has left on me. <laughs> It sounds like a tealess driver. It needs to be in this category. So, and that's what I was going to say. So, if you're looking at like what else is like this, um, you know, there's the GX7 from Infomercial fame, the the tealess Harry mentioned. I think Hyrico Golf, for example, still sells what they call a Thriver, which is the idea of like a fairway wood driver kind of mix. So it's it's similar like that. It's you know sort of like just smush these two things together and and have a somewhat unique product, I guess. So Adam, what situation <laughs> on the course would someone use a mini driver? Or is it a specific type of golfer that a mini driver is made for? It is for a super specific type of golfer. And that would be the golfer that wants to make the game harder than it already is. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> They love this. I remember in a previous life and a different business when drivers were going from, let's say, 280 cc's to larger there was no limit for a while on size. I actually remember being a part of a design for a 500 and a 1000 cc driver, believe it or not. And I'll never forget the the people that love like the hardcore people on the forums, you know, were against more forgiveness, right? They wanted harder, more difficult. And I look at this as something that gets approved for a PGA Tour Pro for an event, you know, through the USG approval process. And then the guys on the forums go, hey, man, Phil Mickelson's playing 13 drivers this week. So that <laughs> mini driver, I'd really like to get that in my bag, too. It's a novelty thing to me. I don't think 
you rarely see them in anyone's bag. And if you do, it's somebody that is probably dressed with a white belt and wants to make the game really incredibly hard. <laughs> well, you know, you say that, like I did carry the SLDR mini for a better part of a season. And for me, like I actually When did you it use well. it? So I used it well, anywhere. But hold, that's hold on. It. Tony is the perfect example of this. He loves making the game as difficult that's as true. possible. He true. plays lob wedges. He might play a bullseye. I haven't checked in a while, but <laughs> I think he plays a mini driver. Um, he changes irons on a day-to-day basis. <laughs> yeah. He can't even give us a what's in the bag. Still, after a decade of working in my no, golf bag, <laughs> hasn't been in able fact, to do it. In fact, is there anything new in your bag, Tony, that you uh-huh. haven't updated us on? I don't know. <laughs> I would say like a mini driver... So some I struggle with hitting a three wood off the deck because I'm so used to. That was my question: Why a mini driver instead of a three wood, or a three wood instead of a mini driver? Well, I'm so used to hitting up on the ball with the driver now. I've conditioned my swing to hit up to really maximize my potential. Now, when it comes to a a, a three wood, it's, I find it more difficult now because I end up thinning it a little bit more, or even topping it sometimes. A mini driver won't help with that. Tell you what, the the T-less driver helped the shit out of it. That's a little bit, yeah. I mean, that, but that's a really kind of shallow face approach to this. Shallow face, the CG is really back and down as possible. Sort of like a three wood. <laughs> we tested those bad boys out and I've never hit so many straight balls out of fairway divot and bunkers. Here's the difference. The Telus, in my opinion, is a pass-fail type club, right? It is for people that struggle to get the ball airborne. You can use that thing in a divot, in a bunker, in a fairway, off the tee. And for the most part, you're going to hit it really solid, and it's going to go pretty damn straight. The spin Mm -hmm. is incredibly high, though, It's high, yeah. Yeah. The difference between that and the mini driver is CG, MOI, a little bit different, right? The design is built for a different purpose. I see more benefit out of a T-less, much more out of that, than the mini drivers that are currently being designed on the Mm. market. As, as they are right now. It really is. It is, again, like everything else in golf equipment is totally player dependent. And so if you can hit a driver off the deck, you can probably use a mini driver as a fairway wood with, with reasonable success. If you're not even close, chances are it's not going to help. So I think it's a niche product. It doesn't make it a bad product. I'm intrigued because, again, I carried, I carried the SLDR mini. And for me, that was really, it was like, this is as a club that I can hit as far as possible off the fairway. And so it wasn't really for me anything that I that I ever tried to hit into a green necessarily. You know that guy that's like in between two trees in the rough and he's 230 out and he could punch out and make par or he's still in his head got birdie in his mind. That's who's, yeah. buying, that's who's buying this club. <laughs> if you can always see the window, right? That's, <laughs> there you go. If you're a optimist and a glass half full guy in between two trees that are a foot part from 270, this is your club. So this inspires another question for me. What category of equipment would you vote off the island? So I'm Jeff Propes and this is Tribal Council. We're just doing one. <laughs> Harry wants to eliminate everything. I know, right? It's tough. Hey, I need a tiki torch. Does anyone have a tiki torch? In my basement. All right, I'm ready. Okay, Harry, please cast your vote. SGI. Okay, in your confessional, you have to give us your reasoning. I hate those clubs. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's, I know it's for a niche. It's good for the older generation uh, who struggle to get the ball in the air, but the like fishing rods to me, I just hooked the crap out of them. 
do not like them. And this is my personal mm. preference. So yeah, there you go. <laughs> okay. So that's one vote for SGI. Adam, <laughs> cast your vote. Yeah, I just want to point out first that Harry just eliminated the clubs that are meant for the largest like swath of golfers on the planet. Yes, I know. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. The yeah. lob wedge. A lob wedge. But it's got a little special note for Tony. <laughs> <laughs> I would say there's not many more clubs in the bag that have more people want to hit that particular club that has unfortunately added more strokes to their handicap than any club in the bag. You see people either do one of two things. Really, they, you know, balloon it straight up in the air, goes about eight feet and doesn't do anything, which looks really impressive. Or they skin the shit out of it and they braise your eyebrows when you're standing on the other side of the green. Uh, I think it's kind of a pointless club for the majority of golfers, unless you're somebody like Phil Mickelson or something. Cool. Tony, please cast your vote. <laughs> Shit to piece Matt finish golf balls. <laughs> I can't uh, blame you for that. That is a category. That is a really good answer, Tony. Give us your reasoning if it's not self-explanatory. Zero. Zero performance benefit. Two-piece golf balls, you give up spin around the green anyway. Um, most of them are soft, so if you're a mid to high swing speed player, you're giving up speed and toss in the mat finish, which is incredibly inconsistent when you hit just a little bit of moisture and it's like, yeah. lose, lose, lose. Just go get a decent golf ball. I mean, Jesus. <laughs> Tell us how you really think, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Do you think the range balls that we tested, which is the most popular one, the pinnacle that we've tested, would be a better choice to just pluck a dozen off the range than playing the shitty two-piece uh, mat golf ball? Yeah, it, it, it would probably be similar. Like I can see him sweating trying to find this answer. But again, because the, the mat, they're usually soft and people love that soft feel. But I mean, we'll, we'll find out. We'll definitely Yeah, I was going to say, we'll find out in the next couple of weeks but yeah I, I just like i said zero performance benefit in some cases visibility benefit but guess what you can get a yellow ball or or even a, an orange ball in a urethane finish and still see it in the air and then not have to eat the um you know on the uh on the rest of it so yeah i i just can't i, I won't so in our ball test are we going to be testing matt two-piece shitty golf balls no, but okay. we, we have data on two-piece Matt <laughs> shitty finish golf balls. So we we, we kind of know what that looks like already. Um, hey, Linz. But we are going to test the range balls as part of it. So we'll we'll be able to compare and, and get some ideas on, on what that looks like. I'm kind of surprised nobody said the same thing. And I bet that there are more answers. If we had more people on the panel, we'd have like six categories of things to eliminate. Well, I'm like trying to think of it in like, yeah, there is niche stuff, right? So talking about the mini driver, you could go, oh, that's, we shouldn't have mini drivers. But there is a player that benefits from that. There, For some golfers, there is a performance benefit. Even when I think of every ridiculous category, like chippers, okay. An abomination, <laughs> sure, probably. But for some guys, legitimate performance benefit. Chili dip the wedge. Shit two-piece matte finish golf balls. It's, it's right in the name, right? Shit. So there's no performance benefit. Okay, let's move on. Tony, you give us the best shout. So what time is it? Mailbag! <laughs> <laughs> Our mailbag question today comes from Scott Gilmore, and it's in the same vein as kind of what we were talking about earlier, but what is the biggest overhyped piece of marketing or tech that you've heard of recently? I would, I would say one 
just based on my expertise is Nike golf shoes. Okay. You put those down any chance you get. Any opportunity. It is though. Yeah, because it's so it's got so much hype and the the one that Brooks uses, the one that doesn't know it looks like a spaceship for a spike and they got three of them and we have no idea if are they in the spiked or are they in the spikeless? Well, they're not removable, so they're spikeless. See, I'm confused. <laughs> it's stupid. To hybrid? It's it is, a hybrid it, shoe? No, it's just stupid. It is one of the most uncomfortable shoes. Incredibly narrow. My Achilles were non-existent. He's still like it. Two years later, he's still my Achilles. It was bad. That's right. We did these in a hype meter. Adam, you laughed when I asked the question. Do you have a good answer? I'm going to probably plead the fifth on the first thought I had. Um, <laughs> actually, when Harry brought up what he brought up, I would say the biggest discrepancy and polarizations between what people think to be true and what we see in testing. I mean, Nike shoe is definitely up there. I will throw in one that you know gets brought up on the site and just got brought up not too long ago was... You know, PXG irons have been hyped quite a bit and they have never really tested well. So that's another one I would bring up. Okay. Tony, what do you got? Marketing or tech that you've seen recently? You no know, marketing and, you know, I don't, we used to just kind of cling to everything and go nuts. And now I just kind of quietly roll my eyes. But if, if you notice, like a lot of the ads that Callaway is putting out for the Chrome Soft line now, like they tag okay. it with better for everyone, <laughs> which is... You know, patently absurd for any piece <laughs> of golf equipment, period. There is no single piece of equipment or even a group of three things like their Chrome Soft series of golf balls that is better for, than for everyone. You know, what, what really kind of put me over the top, and this is a little inside baseball, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share this story anyway. So a few years ago, Callaway was not participating in our most wanted testing program. Uh, weren't sending stuff in and you know we we had calls with them and one of the sticking points was for them that that they felt that when we named a club most wanted what we were saying was that it was the best club for everyone and that there was no piece of equipment that was the best for everyone and so <laughs> when i see you know a golf ball ad stamped with better for everyone i'm just like jesus christ like <laughs> okay so rewrite the slogan for them what should it be uh redonkey soft or, or <laughs> better than it used to be i yeah. don't know <laughs> well it's interesting you know like Callaway specifically, we used to have this thing called the fine print police and we would go read the fine print and claim that they company would make and, you know, blow it up on the screen. And back then they were making claims at a lot of people were, but they were making more than anybody about two clubs longer. Do you remember this, Tony? And there was a lot of infighting between brands and lawsuits. Oh, and Callaway like and TaylorMade were just like, you made a claim. Here's our letter from our legal department. Yeah. And then, yeah, we'll make a claim. All right, here's your letter. <laughs> so yeah. how, how this has evolved has been from two clubs longer to then they started saying things like redonkey long, which, you know, kind of got the same impression, I guess, but didn't get sued over it. And now they've gotten rid of redonkey long. It's just, it's better for everybody. You know what I mean? It's just, <laughs> it's just good. <laughs> Okay, good stuff. Good answers there. And thank you, Scott Gilmore, for your question. Uh, before we go today, guys, we kind of hinted to it earlier in the show, but we won't have a show that is going out next week um, because we will be at our ball test. Uh, Tony, can we tell them where we're going? I think so. Yeah, we'll be down at Scottsdale National Golf Club, spending some time with the robot. Sweating our butts off, right? Yeah, it's going to be unseasonably cool in Arizona next week. So right around 100, low 100, <laughs> so not too bad. You know, what I was afraid of is, you know, it's July in Arizona. So 
120 is not out mm. of the question. And so that yeah. that point. So when I had the call with the with the engineer that's going to be running the robot for us, that was one of the things I was running down test parameters and, and making sure everything we wanted to do was going to work. And then I was also like, and also, how do we not die? <laughs> not on our list of things to do. Yeah. Uh, Tony, can you give us just a quick synopsis of the main things that we're going to be testing and, and working on while we're there? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be kind of a repeat of what we did last time. So we'll be looking at, um, you know, multiple golf balls, obviously, multiple models. I think we're looking at 35, 36 models we'll be testing. Uh, all urethane except for the range balls that we're going to throw in there because so no shit two piece mat not a single shit okay. two piece mat finished golf ball uh and so yeah we're going to be testing multiple swing speeds we're going to be looking at driver's irons we're going to do a, a wedge test again this time it'll be a shorter wedge test so we really want to kind of focus in and get more of that true green side spin element test at a speed where you're you're not really getting much beyond interacting with the cover and mantle you're not getting into that core at all so you just really want to see what the cover gets you from a spin perspective so if or as time permits we're going to try and throw in some some other cool stuff but that is uh tbd the big thing is, is to get through the test and get all of these uh all of these models tested but it's going to be a lot more comprehensive than the first ball test that we did we're hitting more shots we're hitting more golf balls. It's going to be a bigger scale test than the, what, 2019 one? 2019. Yeah, I mean, model count is actually about the same. We are going to hit more shots this time out, try and just get the, those numbers yeah. to tighten up a little bit. And then, you know, take what we learned from the first test and <laughs> we weren't prepared for the unexpected, I think it's fair to say, right? When you see balls duck hook and things like that you're just sort of like holy shit what happened now we kind of have a plan to to deal with that and and build on that and gather information if those things happen see if we can then take that back to the ball lab and and kind of reverse it and see kind of reverse engineer and say all right what do we see here that is is that can explain this and uh, at a at the level of a single golf ball yeah, and we're not just going to disappear to Arizona for a week. So if you follow us on any of our social channels, uh, you can keep up with us on our website. We're going to constantly be posting and keeping everybody updated as live as possible. Uh, so we want to make sure you get to see a little bit of the behind the scenes of what's going on. And so when you get the data, you know where it came from and who all was there making it happen. Adam, are you excited? You're staying in, you know, nice, humid, not so cool Virginia, but. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, I was super proud of what we did the first time. It was a big undertaking for us. Tony did not want to do it. I um, forced to unfortunately do the first one. <laughs> but this time around, we've just learned so much about golf balls in the last two years since that test. Our plan really is to do the test, but also use it as an opportunity to help educate mm -hmm. as many golfers as possible while we're down there. So what we'll be doing is multiple times during the day, right, Miranda? I think, you know, three times yep. a day we'll be kind of giving a live look almost of what's going on, giving you input of what's been tested. And then there'll also be a single article where all that social media information will be ingested into so you can always stay up to date. Mm -hmm. Yep. So you're listening to this on Tuesday. So if you're just catching this information now and you haven't seen it already, that, that article's already up on the website. You can take a look at Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and you're, there's already going to be some posts from Arizona up there. So if you're just hearing about it now, we're already in progress. Yeah, I mean, we've done a lot of club testing for a long time. Ball's pretty new for us still after only a couple of years. It's an opportunity for us to educate people on something that 
I think there was a lot, uh, a lack of awareness of how much a ball impacts your game. So, have we um, broken it to Tony yet that we're thinking about putting a uh, live webcam up in the corner of the room to watch everything? I think he just did. Okay, this has been No Futs Given. <laughs> Bye. See you later. <laughs>